Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by Jason Graves for the VR game Lone Echo, made by the studio Ready at Dawn. More from Jason momentarily. First, though, you might recall that in last week's episode, I promised our patron of the week, Lassa Anderson, that he'd be featured this week. Well, that was before tragedy struck, and I dropped my hard drive one too many times, and now it's dead. And do you have any idea how much it costs to recover data from a hard drive? Holy cow, I told the guy that I should just commit a crime so that the FBI will do it for me. Uh, Alas, for the time being, there's quite a bit of audio that we can't get to right now, including Lassa's Patron of the Week interview and a couple of Five Songs episodes. Lassa is aware of the issue. He took it in stride. So once he's back from vacation, we'll do another interview and have him on. And we'll have to redo a couple of Five Songs interviews as well to get those cranking up again. So Jason Graves wrote music for this new VR game called Lone Echo, and the trailer is gorgeous. I I found it really intriguing, and I found myself watching it several times. The music Jason wrote is great, too, uh, but there's actually not really any of it in the actual game itself, and I'll allow him to explain all of that. Also, at the end of our conversation, we end up talking for a few minutes about digital audio workstations, and that's the software that audio people use to edit said audio, whether they work in interview-type audio like we do here, or write music, or create sound effects. We talk a lot about that software uh, for just a few moments at the end. So here's Jason with Lone Echo. Folks that made The Order, a company called Ready at Dawn, some of my favorite people in games, have made a VR game called Lone Echo. And they do these really great things with sort of twists. And what I love about the twist for Lone Echo is you're playing an android who has artificial intelligence and all that stuff, and it's in the future, and you're assisting a female astronaut who is a human. And she's the only human on the ship in this uh, on a moon of Saturn. And it's great because as a, as a player, you are a human being playing an android. And basically the android, that's the game, is playing the human being. So you're in this complete role reversal. <laughs> and it's a very conversational, you can choose things to say, you can choose things to do. Um, of course, super well done. And the VR is just incredible um, amazing story as usual with those guys and and really really immersive well and the music of course you did music for them they did the order 1886 and you did such an amazing score for that game uh, so much fun oh, just gorgeous gorgeous music for that Thanks. game and they this is so different. This is so different because with the order you were using, you know, a, a kind of bloated lower strings, no violins, uh, and all of this cool textures, but but orchestrally. And here, it's pretty different. So tell me a little bit about that. With the order, they sort of explained to me what the game was about, and they let me do whatever I thought was going to work, and never really had 
any corrections per se. It was more like, oh, hey, for the next piece, we want something that's going to be like this. You know, this previous one was really cool, maybe something a little different. You know, it was more like guidance as we went through it. And Lone Echo was pretty much the same way. Um, I visited them two years ago, I think, with my daughter, and they were beginning to work on it, and we played through it and talked sort of about the concept, but then they went, uh, went away and did their thing for a long time, and then I got a phone call with like five of them on the conference call, <laughs> maybe three, four weeks before the game was going to come out, because I knew that it wasn't going to be a big production in terms of lots and lots of minutes. They were sort of going the way of uh, the birds, let's say, and didn't want to have music in the in-game experience. Okay. I think there's a radio maybe that plays, but the music they were looking for was more like the menus, the credits, um, like a pause menu, um, sort of a reprise from the lack of music in the game, which... When you have these scenes in space and there's lots of stuff going on, it actually creates its own sort of tension because the sound design that they did was phenomenal. And you go to a menu or you pause or skip out of something and then you sort of get a musical reward. the same idea. They explained to me that it's really about the nature of this android's relationship with the human. And again, you're the the human playing the android and the the computer's playing the human. So there's kind of a, a role reversal going on there. And that was pretty much the premise that they, they told me over the phone, you know, in so many words. And I went away and wrote about 20 minutes, 25 minutes of music, I think, just based on sort of, I remember writing down human versus android, not in a competition, in a relationship sort of thing. Um, and <laughs> that's the that's the premise for all of the music. That's why the first thing you hear are Maluka's gorgeous vocals. You hear the human mm-hmm. first. Just like with the order, they pretty much just said, wow, this is fantastic. Can we have some specific things that we want to use from this suite you gave us for the main credit, you know, for the main menu, for the end credits, for the pause menu, um, for the um, the multiplayer, things like that. They sort of cherry-picked the moments in the suite that they liked the best, and that's what the soundtrack is, essentially. You've got the four tracks that play in the game, and then the suite that is kind of the inspired-by kind of track. So tell me a little bit more about that because you know that was pretty cool to to get the music and see you know here's a 
three and a half minute track, four minute track, and a seventeen minute track. <laughs> so, so talk a little bit more about that. Did you say that came first? It did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's really cool. Well, so, how how much time? Because seventeen minutes—that's nothing to shake a stick at. That's a lot of music. How much time did you spend on that? Um, I mean, maybe three, like three days, I think. Wow. But it's it's not. You know, there's only. There's not really combat music. There's one upbeat section that I intended for the Echo Arena, you know, for the multiplayer stuff. But the game isn't a combat-y sort of game. So the fact that you have a lot of space and a lot of kind of floating and and more introverted types of ideas in the score, for me at least, it, it meant that I could knock out a lot more music per day. Plus... They gave me this huge data dump with you know, like the entire gameplay and movies and scripts and all these different images and it was just super inspirational and I love the idea of that human versus robot in terms of ideology and psychology and just all the implications of that sort of relationship. So it was kind of like just three days of me just, you know. <laughs> pouring stuff into the computer and then sending it off to them to see what they thought. You know, you mentioned Maluka. I was going to ask you who was singing because it's lovely, of course. And the 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 theme, the first thing you hear her sing is very simple. So tell me about the simplicity of of that. It's very beautiful. I don't, you know, that's not meant in a negative way at all. Well, first of all, I had to know that she was going to be involved so that I could write for her specifically. It's it's a if you pardon the pun, a far cry from our last job working together. Yeah. You know, she did all the screaming and <laughs> chanting and shrieking literally on Far Cry Primal. And ever since then, I'd been dying to find something that she would be a great fit for. Because I just, I love her so much as a person and as a <laughs> singer. And I, I mean, she got to do some really fun, interesting things. But I wanted to have her just sing. So... A human alone, female especially, that's the, the astronaut in Lone Echo, is a female. Mm -hmm. She's alone by herself in space, and I thought there was no other way to start it than to have just a solo vocal, you know, as simple and stark as possible. didn't even pick up on this, and I thought it was too on the nose. She does have a, a single repeat. Anytime she sings something, the, the back end of the phrase repeats only once. You could, you could almost say it's a, a single echo of hmm. the theme, or maybe even a lone echo. <laughs> so 
those were the two things that popped into my head in the very, very beginning. And I love the idea of having a melody that is floating in space, because without all these androids and robots and technology around her, the astronaut that you're assisting would be completely lost. She's only out there because of all this technology. So we hear the main theme in the beginning just floating. And there's some notes. It's like, I don't know what those notes are or where they're going. They might sound a little dangerous or a little dark. And it's not until all the synthesizers come in that's all the technology and she sings the theme again, you hear the chords that are going back there. And they're mostly like major chords. It's just they're sort of disjunct. You know, I've got these parallel majors going on and she's maybe singing the major seventh of a major chord, but it gives it support and direction. You know, the technology does to the to Maluka's voice. And that was essentially the preface for for the whole thing. very cool and I mean I loved the sound of the synths I you know there was even like the sound of that um, that Blade Runner synth man that sound oh, yeah. what yeah, is that, that those um, Vangelis sort of sounds were definitely like a CS80 and some old prophets and, and things like that but I nice. I don't have that's that's like the Rolls Royce of synthesizers I've got right three outboard synths that I used a lot, and I also have some pedals and effects and things that are sort of classic analog kinds of sounds, so I put a lot of the sounds through there, including her voice. You know, the the funny thing is, she only, Maluka only sings that opening melody, the, the two times you hear it. That's all she recorded for me. Everything else, I took her voice and put it in the computer and played it off the keyboard and manipulated it with electronics, because... You know, I was essentially trying to blur the line between human and machine. That's that's why the suite's called So Near So Far. You've got this android so close but so far away in terms of, you know, human interaction and, and feelings and things like that. To the um, just the open space in in the atmosphere of the, just the palette you kind of created, it, it just very much sounded open and lonely at times. Which is, you know, all you have to say to me right now is this person is by themselves in space, and I just get this like <gasps> feeling. You know, I'm just like, <laughs> no, that that's just so scary to me, <laughs> and. And I think the music did a really nice job of reflecting the loneliness, but not in a scary way. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's really pleasant music. And stark. I mean, there's, yeah. I, I wanted it to sound like you were floating. Even, even in the beginning, 
I think on the main menu and in the full suite, it starts out with a bucket. It's a triplet, very quick triplet feel. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of times, especially during the suite, that everything gets all cloudy and it builds up and you can't really hear what's going on. And I don't want to give anything away about the game, but the suite definitely follows sort of the story arc of the game. And um, I even used some metric modulation. I went from three into four. Okay. When it got all cloudy and builds up and then it gets quiet again. Now we're in four, but the pulse is staying the same. love that idea of kind of adrift in space and you know not really ever having full control over what's going on and you're sort of at the mercy of all this technology and let's face it Maluka's voice just man it sounds great with with all that synth stuff Talk to me about the percussion, because I'm curious how much of that was real. Everything was synthesized, yeah. Even if it sounds like percussion, it was probably just lots of short attacks and white noise and things like that. But it it was definitely very only vocals and only synthesizers that sounded like synthesizers in the beginning. And as the score progressed, you know, the lines got blurred. The, The vocals started sounding like synths and the... The synth started sounding like, um, you know, percussion and vocals, and it's very much in line with the, the idea of playing the game as an android. So the only human is Maluka on the soundtrack. Yes. Okay, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, That end credits song piece sounds so sad. (laughs) I know. (laughs) And so I'm pretty sure somebody's probably going to die at the end of this. I don't know if it's the android or the human or both or what, but it's so sad. And I know you can't talk about why I would imagine, but you could maybe talk about just writing that because it's not, it's just pretty sad. You know what I mean? It's like that kind of. Yes. Yeah. So tell me about that. Hopefully it's sort of, um, you know, internally reflective. It's, and oh, oh yeah, something really neat. I was about halfway through writing this suite and I spoke with the creative director before I had really sent anything and he said, hey, we've got this heartbeat sound that we use that's like the androids, you know, you playing as the android, it's your heartbeat and when you're in a pause, um, you know, you can, without being too complicated, you can kind of like 
retreat within yourself as an android and you they, you hear this heartbeat playing and he said, could we send it to you and see if there's some way you could maybe incorporate it into the score? And I was literally working on this section that was kind of like android heaven or something like that. I mean, I, and not, not from an android dying, meaning like yeah. android subconscious. That's a good that's a good thing. Okay. Uh, a good way to think about it. And he sent me this heartbeat, and that's what you hear. I didn't, I didn't change a thing. I think I might have put a little bit of delay on it, but you hear at the beginning of, um, I think it's Electric Sheep. Which, please, please tell me you got that reference. What What are you talking electric, about? Electric Sheep. Uh, elec- oh, does it just say? I don't think you have the final. Um, I don't. Okay, so there is. It's it's probably called pause menu oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> right is, is that what it's called okay yes so on the final version i called it electric sheep which is of course a reference to blade runner with the whole deckard android human do androids dream of electric sheep and the idea was this is sort of the subconscious of you as the android and it starts out where you just hear that heartbeat And I was able to basically structure the entire piece around the heartbeat. And again, in the end credits, I think the heartbeat was in there as well, as well as the very end of the suite itself. little bit about multiplayer then because you know you watch the trailer and I I ended up watching the trailer several times I just it's visually incredible I think this yes, this game yeah, and yeah. yeah you see the, the you see the trailer and you can kind of get this sense that it's not a combat heavy game and so I'm intrigued to to know about multiplayer is the multiplayer a partnership between the human and the android or is there some kind of you know player versus player business going on here it's it's more of a player versus player sort nice. of thing I, and okay. I and I think I, I can't really speak for the guys but the sense that I got from it was they had your single person you know storyline and they had this amazing world that they had built and you know it's not really combat driven it's very much story driven and character driven and with echo arena then you're able to take all those really cool physics laws and everything that they wrote and built in there and fight, basically. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know, so you get, the, you get the best of both worlds. Something that I bet a lot of people don't know is Andrea, who's, I don't know his official title, but basically he's one of the founders of the company and he's the chief, like, I just know he's the guy that literally wrote all the physics coding for um, for the order and for Lone Echo, and he's a genius. I mean, if you're talking about writing coding for physics and a physics engine that plays in the game, and he's also 
a huge, and I mean huge, music fan. He got a, he has degrees in music, and wow. I think he got a conducting degree, and was going to be a conductor, but then decided that, you know, maybe he wanted to be a composer and somehow ended up working in video games. And then, oh yeah, he also knows how to code physics and just (laughs) crazy, uh, super, super nice guy. And he was the first one that I met when I went out there for the order a long time ago. And I thought he was like the audio director or something because he was so into music and he's got, you know, he's got uh, musical instruments and and equipment and stuff at his house and still, you know, plays music. And it's just a, I love it when I meet folks like that, that sort of have both sides of the coin and and one person. Yes. Let's talk about Friday the 13th, yeah? (laughs) Nice segue. (laughs) So tell me what you told me about this Friday the 13th, because all I I heard was we were going to talk, we were going to have the opportunity to talk about Friday the 13th. Nobody said anything about Friday the 13th, the game, or Friday the 13th, the VR experience, you know, so I'm just like Friday the 13th. So um, yeah, tell, tell us about it. So there's some guys in town that I've done work with before. Uh, Fat Chicken was, and we're, we're this is going to be all over the map because you know we we went from Space Odyssey to Friday the Thirteenth, which is obviously classic horror. Um, Fat Chicken was this crazy country bluegrass like mishmash of crazy music for uh, kind of against factory farming and. <laughs> Um, I've got a soundtrack out for that, believe it or not, on iTunes, just because I had so much fun doing it. I had to release some stuff, and it was all live, you know, all guitars and bass and drums and stuff. But I worked with them on Fat Chicken, and then I worked with them on some other things that were released, like, on the indie market. And they have worked with gun media that I've done some work with as well. So this is all that kind of knowing someone who knows someone. And Mm -hmm. Gun was doing something called Summer Camp that if anyone knows Friday the 13th, it takes place at Summer Camp. And if you saw their posters, you'd be like, oh, it's like inspired by Friday the 13th. That's really cool. And they were really careful to not get anywhere near any copyright infringements. They didn't want to get in trouble. They weren't trying to just blatantly copy something. They really, really loved Friday the 13th and wanted to do a decent job inspiring the feelings you got when you watch the movies. (laughs) And about, um, I don't know, maybe halfway, a little over halfway through, they were contacted by, it was either the movie studio or like the guy that owns the rights to Friday the 13th. And it was something like an email. It wasn't a phone call where they just found anything out immediately. And they were terrified to even respond to the email. Like, oh my sure. gosh, this is it. We're, we're done for. So finally they emailed them back. And basically the guy said, we loved everything that we've seen about summer camp. Would you be interested in taking it on as a legit franchise for Friday the 13th? So essentially they got more than they had ever 
dreamt of. So then they were able to work on and release an officially sanctioned version of a video game for Friday the 13th. And they did tons of motion capture and they got as many of the original people involved. Um, Henry Manfredini, the composer for Friday the 13th, for I think most of the ones until they started getting really bad with all the, you know, like Jason versus Freddy and everything. Yeah. All the classic ones. Um, he did the music for it and they got him on board to work on the game. And he's a super nice guy. I've talked with him many, many times now. And I was basically brought on sort of as a, a creative uh, consultant in terms of interactivity and also just to assist with kind of the immersion factor of the score because oh, cool. his background is obviously in film. Yeah. And he could score something to picture in a heartbeat. But when it came to interactivity and sort of like, well, this needs to loop, but it doesn't need to sound like it's going to loop. It needs to be able to change and do this and do that. He was just, he couldn't, I think, until it was put in front of him, he didn't quite understand exactly what that meant because it is a very abstract kind of concept. So yeah. since I knew all these guys, basically they said, hey, would you talk? So I, I kind of, I did a little bit and we had some phone conversations and I talked with Harry and kind of get got the gist of what everybody needed and eventually it came around to where I wrote some music for the game as well, kind of their interactive sort of scenes. But the bulk of the heavy lifting was really done by Harry. He's the one that should have been doing it anyway. And even the stuff that I wrote was very much inspired by his classic stuff from hmm. the 70s. And did, did you know, by the way, that the ch 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 that's him. That's the composer <laughs> doing it, like in his studio with a microphone. Yeah. Wow. That's that's one of the things that I asked him. I said, did they put that in afterwards? Or did he's like, oh, no, that's me. Which I think is so cool, because that's really, you put that up there with, like, the Jaws theme. I mean, that's one of those instantly recognizable classic sounds yes. that yes. identify with Friday the 13th. So it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun getting to, getting to meet him and getting to know him and helping out the guys working on the game. And they just worked so hard getting everything just right. And the fact that you can play as Jason as opposed to just running away from him all the time, which, you know, most horror games are, you're running away from the killer, right? Well, now you yeah. can actually play as the killer. That was, a, I thought that was a really cool twist. Now, you and I are roughly the same age. Did you watch these when you were a kid? Did you watch those movies? Oh, of course. Movies? They, they scared me to death. Oh, I, to yeah. this day, have not seen any of them. Oh, I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs>
how did the movie studio or whoever, you know, owns the, the rights to it, how did they even hear about the summer camp game in the first place? Well, it's when the guys first started doing some, not even really PR as much as just they'd have a booth at a game conference, for example, and it would be showcasing the different games they were talking about. And, you know, one of them, they had a big six-foot-tall poster that said Summer Camp. And the the obvious implications of what they were trying to recreate just sort of spread around, and it just it sure. just got wind. You know, I, there's probably like a team of attorneys because Friday the Thirteenth is such a classic kind of um, horror movie. They're just sniffing out things when people are trying to you know bump their IP. Sure, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a like right. they got to watch their back. Yep, and. Something like that comes up, and I have a feeling if the guys had said, you know, no thanks, we're going to do our own thing, they they would have been able to do it just fine. But mm-hmm. why why do that when you can, you know, work with the original and, like, you know, have, dis- like, cool different designs? They have, you know, each each movie, Jason looks a little different. His mask might be different, his, his clothes, and they have different movie versions of Jason, you know, different skins in the game. I mean, they were really able to take it like to the extreme nerd regions and and people who are obsessed with the the movies are able to really get details like that when they play the game. I had so much fun because it has that sort of 70s, like, diminished scale kind of overt, <laughs> you know, like, this is mysterious kind of thing going on, which I which I love, but I've never really been able to do. And it was a lot of fun being able to do some things like that, you know, just like the real, like, do-do-do-do, what I think a lot of people nowadays would sort of ro- roll their eyes out uh, yeah, yeah. about. But, you know, yeah. I, I think it's great. You're a Cubase user, though. I am. I am now Cubase. Yeah. And when did that transition happen? Because were you Pro Tools before that? I still use Pro Tools for if I'm coming from a recording session. Like if you know if I'm at Skywalker or Abbey Road, they they all use Pro Tools, so I'll okay. use it then. But when I'm writing or or recording things that I'm writing too, I'm in Cubase. And before that, I was using Digital Performer. And I still love Digital Performer. Um, I just honestly had been getting ribbed so long by Lauren Balf because um, he's like, I can't believe you don't use Cubase. Why don't you use Cubase? <laughs> so I finally just downloaded. I think they had actually gotten to a point where they had a demo you could download. You didn't have to shell out you know, 600 bucks hoping mm-hmm. that you would like it. Yeah. And I downloaded the demo, and I was just blown away how amazingly customizable it is. So wow. I switched right on Far Cry, actually. I did – so Far Lands was right after Far Cry. I did Far Cry in Cubase. I did Far Lands in Ableton Live hmm. because I was working in something else at the time, and I was just really into Ableton. And then I've done a couple of jobs in Ableton, and mostly it's been Cubase. It just makes it, it's really easy if you have a lot of tracks, 
like I normally do. It makes it super easy to navigate. And I was even programming these little quick keys where I could just literally hit a button on my iPad and it'll pull up any group of tracks I want. Like, oh, well, <laughs> let me see the, the strings that I recorded myself. I hit a button. That's the only thing I see on the screen. It's just... Wow. It's really, it's really flexible and super solid. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, I've never used Cubase or Ableton, you know, because I'm not a composer, but right. with I, I am, you know, pretty good with Pro Tools and mm-hmm. GarageBand, and also we use Adobe Audition at work, which... Yep, yep. Not my favorite, but I can get around it now a little bit. You know, it's just, it's interesting to see how they each have something I wish they all had. You know? I know. I know. Pro how Tools, is especially. That? Yes. Man, it's in Cubase. Cubase is probably the closest to Pro Tools in terms of audio editing capabilities. I mean, Pro Tools is obviously built to be an audio recording and editing platform. The, yeah. the way you can, you know, load... The, the last big thing I did in Pro Tools was when we were mixing the soundtrack for The Order, and I was at Sony and sat there for three or four days and just watched Joel, who was engineering. We'd do a mix, and he'd export certain things, and then he'd pull up the next queue, and he'd import certain things, and a lot of the mix decisions we had made on the previous queue would come in and just sort of lay over this new queue. Yeah. And it's because of all these great sort of things that's what Pro Tools is built for and I don't know any other apps that can do things like that except Hmm. Cubase um, to a certain extent can do things like that with Pro Tools but you know it's funny because Cubase is is German and Mark of the Unicorn digital performer they're American Hmm. Um, GarageBand very much American you've got these different companies all over the world who all have different backgrounds and kind of started the program with different intentions. Jason Graves, always a pleasure. I feel like it's been too long, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll get you back on soon. Thanks so much for chatting with me. Oh, Emily Reese, I hope to be back soon. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. Thanks for listening to episode 79 of Level with Emily Reese. You can learn more about Jason Graves at jasongraves.com. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. Who, me? You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily. And learn more about us at levelwithemily.com, which is managed by Adam Selvage from Tiki Web Services and composer Brad Gentle. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media Incorporated.